How has the pandemic and innovation changed the consumer staples sector? Well, let's get to our panel. Arun Sandram, Equity Research Analyst at CFRA Research, and Hilding Anderson, Head of Retail Strategy at Publicis Sapien. Thank you both for being with us. Arun, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the consumer staples sector. It may have changed, it may have updated. Do you still like it? Yeah, so um, um, CFRA, we actually have an underweight uh, rating on the consumer staples sector. Um, you know, the consumer staples sector, it's, it's only 6% of the S&P 500 index, and it's only up about 4.5% uh, this year with compared to the S&P 500's nearly 11% rise. But, I mean, that said, there are, you know, some, some gems that we do see uh, within the sector, and, and we have made a few upgrades to specific stocks within the sector over the past month or two. Okay, and so your thoughts, Hilding, why don't you chime in here? Your thoughts on the consumer staples sector? Yeah, you know, obviously we've seen from a sector perspective a major surge uh, in the sector due to COVID as people, you know, in the past year stayed at home and didn't go to restaurants as much. But I think what's not being talked about as much is just the degree of digital disruption that's happening in this sector with a lot of the venture-funded DTC players prior to COVID really uh, targeting the space and really aggressively exploring it. And now the traditional companies are having to grapple with, well, how do I respond and how do I act like a digital player and become much more agile? And so, for example, we see cosmetics and beauty companies uh, challenged by Glossier and other DTC players really thinking through how do I respond in terms of a direct offering? Um, how do I look at, you know, balance the department store sales, which has been traditionally my channel of, of choice versus, a, you know, versus the digital uh, channel. And so, from an investment standpoint, CP firms overall are looking at customer data as a, as a major investment area, looking at commerce platforms, uh, some of them for the first time ever, and looking at digital products like subscription models that give them a way of, at a minimum, understanding who their customers are uh, and drive you know, higher value for their products. It also, by the way, lets them innovate uh, and bring kind of and trial new products in this smaller, you know, relatively minor part of their business initially, uh, and then bring that to their primary channels. Similarly on the- uh, on All the right, and I- Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, hold the thought, because I want to get back to you, Hilding, to talk about some of the names that you like too. But Arun, I know as you have an, um, an underweight on the group, you do have a buy on certain names, right? Clorox, Cisco, Beyond Meat. Tell me about some of these names and why they are standouts. Yeah, uh, like I said, over the past month or so, we have upgraded a, a few names in the se in the sector to a buy. Uh, a big one is Beyond Meat. We upgraded that uh, a few weeks ago, and that, that's really because I, we thought Beyond Meat wasn't getting the same kind of respect as other you know reopening stocks and also other ESG climate change kind of stocks. Um, you know, Beyond Meat at one point food service was 50% of their sales. And now it's only 25% of their sales. So there's a lot of recoveries still left there. And, and also we thought the valuation was pretty good. Um, another one, Clorox, this might not be the, the obvious choice given you know the whole reopening play going on right now. But uh, for Clorox, we think investor expectations and also consensus estimates over the next year is, is very low right now. So we think you know Clorox has the potential to surprise us to the upside over the next 12 months as they improve their capacity uh, invest in their brands and products. You know, just because we're all not buying as many disinfecting wipes as we did last year around this time, that's not necessarily a bad thing for Clorox because you know they need time to restock the shelves at the grocery stores, and that could take more than a year, I, I think. So that could be a meaningful sales tailwind over the next year, even though uh, end demand is moderating compared to last year levels. 
Yeah, I think you make some great points there. Um, Helding, as you were talking about digitalization and things changing, and then there's just brand recognition as well. You have some names for us. I, I think you had Apple and Nike. Tell me about some of the names or companies that you think are best positioned to win here during this economic rebound. Well, I think a lot of the digital, sort of the traditional CPE companies look to companies like Apple, Nike, Adidas, and others as a as a real leader when it comes to trying to understand what the value of digital could be. Um, and the other interesting dynamic that's happening is on the retail side, there are more choices now for CP companies to influence the digital buying behaviors of their consumers. So we've seen uh, a lot of the leading retailers, whether it's Target, Walmart, even Costco, start to launch marketplaces, start to launch digital advertising uh, platforms that let the large CP companies actually shape uh, some of the buying behavior. And it will give them, especially as they do new product um, launches, give them the opportunity to influence some of those buying behaviors. Yeah. Arun, what would change the, right now you said you have uh, consumer staples as an underweight. What would change that? Um, you know, there's a, there's a few factors uh, I think that we need to, or a few metrics that I think we need to keep an eye on. One, of course, is going to be inflation, the, the big buzzword over the past few months. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, within the consumer staple sector, you know, the inflation rate right now is not a huge concern for most companies in, in the sector. And that's because most well-run companies you know, hedge, they have hedges in place or contracts in place to, to, to smoothen out earnings. But it's really what's going to be the inflation rate, you know, towards the end of 2020, when these hedges roll over and, and, and these companies need to renegotiate contracts for 2022. So that's going to be very key in, in our opinion. Uh, and it'll, it'll dictate, you know, uh, you know, the earnings volatility over the next uh, few years, actually. And, and also, uh, food at home versus food away from home trends. Yeah. Obviously, right now we're looking at you know the reopening play. Food service sales are beginning to recover, but we're actually in a very unique time period right now because food at home yeah. has has not gone down as much as you you may think it has. It's still around the same levels as it was in you know last November, December, and January. So I think we're in a unique time period right now where food at home demand is still strong and food at home food away from home demand is is recovering really rapidly. Well, and thank that you for mean, that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to interject right there. It's great to chat with you both. Hilding Anderson, publicist sapient, Arun Sundaram, CFRA. Thank you both.